Hello and welcome to International Waters. I'm your host, Jesse Thorne. In 1964, Winston Churchill coined the term the special relationship to describe the diplomatic bond and the spirit of cooperation that exists between the United States and the United Kingdom. Of course, we know now that Churchill was a bald-faced liar and that a bitter animosity boils within both nations, mostly over the issue of what to call an elevator. International (laughs) Waters is a program sanctioned by the United Nations, so we like to think, to relieve some of this tension by quizzing both countries' finest comedians on pop culture, hopefully thereby averting World War III. As usual, I, Jesse Thorne, am on the run from Interpol. Uh, Last month, I was caught making and selling ice cubes from what's left of Antarctica. So I'm broadcasting from my luxury recording yacht anchored in the Arabian Sea about 30 miles off the coast of Djibouti. In fact, if you listen closely, you can hear the excitement at the bazaar. Wait for it. There we go. (laughs) Joining us to represent the United States of America, screenwriter and comedian and the host of Totally Lame, the smash hit podcast, Miss Elizabeth Lame. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, thank you for having me. And also representing God's United States is comedian, (laughs) author, actor, and rapper, Mr. D.C. Pearson. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me on this yacht. Uh, representing the nation that is home to Big Ben, as well as other smaller clocks, a sketch comedian and stand-up who has been seen on stages across the world and on the silver screen as the Son of God, Jesus Christ, in Ron Howard's The Da Vinci Code, Dan Antipolsky. Hi. How are you doing, Dan? I'm, I'm great. It's actually Antipolsky. I'm one of the people who's after you. Oh, jeez Louise. <laughs> Joining him will be a comedian and actress who's best known for her role on the hit television series Peep Show. It's Izzy Sooty. How are you, Izzy? I'm great, thanks. I've just had a Thai meal, so I'm feeling good. <laughs> That's what's important. Get some peanut sauce in you. <laughs> thanks for joining me, everyone. Let's get right to the game. We're going to start the show with a little pop culture warm-up that we call What's the Story? I'll be asking our panelists questions about a variety of recent cultural events, and they will be given two points for correct answers and one point for incorrect answers that I think are funny. Uh, (laughs) Since having buzzers would damage the instruments here on the luxury recording yacht, you'll be buzzing in with a word that represents your nation. United States, you'll be buzzing in with Star Trek. And UK, you'll be buzzing in with Doctor Who. Uh, Let's get things started. Which popular reality show was recently greenlit for a new season despite falling ratings and the pregnancy of one of its stars? Doctor Who. Uh, Sounds like the UK just rang in. What's up? Big Brother. Um, Is that actually true? (laughs) I don't know. I think though one of them always ends up pregnant at some you're, point. You're just naming a reality show. I was <laughs> yeah. I, I don't watch like, that many reality shows. <laughs> <laughs> United States, have you got a? Have yes. you got a? Uh, what's what's that called? Oh, a guess. Uh, Star Trek. 
Uh, it is the That's Jer- incorrect. It's not Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> Jersey Shore. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. It is Jersey Shore, though the ratings are not what they once were. MTV feels there's still an audience for bleeped swear words and shoving matches between guys who are wearing flip-flops. Indeed. Um, that's a point for the United States. Next question. Which British comedian recently had a warrant for his arrest issued in New Orleans? Doctor Who. That's the UK. What's your guess? Is it phone chucker Russell Brand? That's absolutely correct. Russell Brand, who had a warrant issued for simple criminal damage for allegedly throwing the phone of a paparazzi out a window. Russell Brand is the rare English celebrity who has neared actual celebrity here in the United States. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he made a couple of failed films, certainly, but people still seem to care, right? He's got a great Judd phone Apatow throwing kind arm. of took him under his wing a bit, didn't he? Yeah, he's done loads of Judd Apatow films. Yeah, I, I think I think he got sort of got into the got into the circle. Katy Perry took him under her yeah bosom. Everything. <laughs> her Easter colored bosom. <laughs> okay, speaking of law breaking celebrities, this American Oscar winner was recently arrested outside the Sudanese embassy in Washington D.C. Oh, Doctor Who. Yeah, UK. George Clooney. Oh, that's absolutely correct. George Clooney and his father were protesting human rights violations by the government of Sudan. My only disappointment, uh, that he does not yet have a replacement pig for the pig that used to live in his house and sleep in his bed. Um, (laughs) What happened to that pig? Well, it passed on. Pigs live shorter lives than people, uh, and that's one of the real bummers for pig that's owners. That's the tragedy but... of the human-pig relationship. <laughs> yeah. gone to the big it's truffle not a tragedy patch in for the sky. Them. They just go to the sty in the sky. <laughs> Which New Jersey-born rock star gave the keynote address at this year's South by Southwest? Star Trek. Oh, that looks like Elizabeth Lame's ringing in. Bon Jovi. Uh, no? Incorrect. I was shot through the heart, in- and you're to blame <laughs> for that answer. Incorrect. UK, have you got a guess? Mm, I'll guess Axel Rose. No. Although I was would trying be- to think of people like John Bon Jovi. It would be interesting to see Axel Rose try to hold an audience through speech. <laughs> Can I pick up the spare, Jesse? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I, there will be no points involved. Well, I was in Austin, and I tried to get into this speech, but the highway was jammed with broken heroes on a last-chance power drive, and thus <laughs> I was unable to see a speech by Bruce Springsteen. That's absolutely oh, correct. That's who I meant. Not I only... almost said the boss, and then I said Bon Jovi. <laughs> by what boss is wrong Jovi. With me? They are essentially the same thing. <laughs> They both have exactly the same amount of credibility. (laughs) You certainly didn't embarrass yourself by confusing them. Um, That's absolutely correct. He not only gave the keynote, he also performed a concert that went on for almost three hours with guest spots from, among others, Jimmy Cliff and Tom Morello. So at the end of that round, two points for the UK and one point for the United States of America. Now we're going to play our version of the classic game, Name That Tune. Our version differs slightly because it uses movies instead of music. We made this decision because movies are longer, cooler, and they sometimes have Ava Mendez in them. (laughs) She's a beautiful woman. 
Um, we'll play the audio from a movie trailer, and our contestants will buzz in when they think they know the name of a film. The only info that we'll be giving them is the year that the film was released. So, are you ready with your power words? Mm-hmm. Star Trek, Star Trek, Star Trek. Same powers? Same power words. Same power words. Okay. Um... Our first film is from 1975, and buzz in as soon as you can identify it. There is a creature alive today who has survived millions of years of evolution. Yes, United States. Uh, I am going to go ahead and say that that film is called uh, Jaws, directed by a uh, post-truck movie, Steven Spielberg. That's absolutely correct. That was Jaws. Was the the tip off the da-da-da-da? Yeah, well, there you go. Okay, our next film is from 1990. Welcome to Hollywood. Everybody comes Star to Trek. Hollywood. Got oh, a United What's States. <laughs> wow, that was fast. Great film, Pretty Woman. That's absolutely correct. That was Pretty Woman. I am impressed. I am impressed by that one. There's a no Pretty sig- Woman answer by a Pretty Woman and Aww. a Jaws answer by a giant anthropomorphic shark. <laughs> <laughs> Our next film from 2005. I'd like to make an announcement. Hogwarts Castle. Um, Yeah, United Kingdom. What do you got? Harry Potter and the... Prince of Thieves. (laughs) (laughs) Harry Potter and the Prince of Thieves would be a tremendous film. (laughs) Harry Potter and the Duke of Darkness. I, I think the first film was The Philosopher's Stone or The Chamber of Secrets. The first one was Philosopher's Stone. Philosopher's Stone, that's what yeah, I'm going with. I, it's Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, but I have to... Ah, oh, God damn it. man. I have to tell you that I am going to give you three points for <laughs> Harry Potter and the Prince of Thieves. Because <laughs> that is a movie that I would like to Harry see. Harry Potter and the New Power Generation. That's what Kevin Costner is just going around pitching in Hollywood right now. He's like, what the hell's hot and what do I own? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Just add and the Prince of Thieves to films that already exist. He just does a remake with him coming into every scene and kind of saving loads of people. (laughs) (laughs) Backdraft and the Prince of Thieves. Mm. Waterworld (laughs) and the Postman and the Prince of Thieves. When Harry met Sally and the Prince of Thieves. <laughs> Our next trailer is a movie that's coming out later this year. Let's give it a listen. War has started. And we are hopelessly outgunned. Doctor Who, Doctor Who, Doctor Who. It is Avengers Assemble. Yes, that's absolutely correct. It is the Avengers, and look at that. At the end of the round, the UK brought in four points, the United States just two. The UK now with a commanding lead. Looks like there's not much of a percentage in being merely correct. (laughs) (laughs) You just have to add in the Prince of Thieves to everything. We should try it again in the next round. Star Trek and the Prince of Thieves. (laughs) Um, before we play our next round, this is Pledge Drive time. So let's take a quick break for a Pledge Drive message from me and International Waters head writer, Jordan Morris. Me, take it away. Hey, International Waters listeners. Guess what? I'm host Jesse Thorne, and joining me 
is head writer Jordan Morris. Yes, although head writer implies that there's a writing staff that I'm in charge of. Well, it could be a writing staff. Yeah. We talked about, you know, getting my friend that went on Jeopardy one time to help you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And to be fair, I do write all of the International uh, Waters questions with a replica Gandalf uh, staff from Lord <laughs> of the Rings. And I've, I've placed um, some charcoal at the bottom. So when I'm writing out all the questions, uh, I am using a writing staff. <laughs> so I guess in that way, I'm the head writer. Oh, I thought you were just referring to the fact that you consider that staff to be your friend. And you talk to it, converse with it, and get ideas from it. Yeah, also. But I also use it to physically write the questions. Gotcha. On large parchment. Like Socrates. You go on walks leading your students and then write in the... You got it. Yeah. Roughly? That's how this show comes together. Yeah. You, Is that approximately? You've, you've summed it up pretty much. Okay, listen, International Waters listeners. Here's the deal. This is by far the most ambitious production that MaximumFun.org has ever attempted. It involves a studio here, a studio in London, England, a connection between those studios, a celebrity guest, uh, booking here, booking there, a producer there, a writer. Everyone gets paid. Um, it is a very speculative effort on my part <laughs> um, and on MaximumFun.org's part. And the reason we're doing it is because we made a pilot and we thought it was so cool that we couldn't bear to not make more of them. And so our hope is that your donations uh, during the Max Fund Drive will help pay for the production of one a month of these for the next year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, uh, absolutely, it, it's fun to do, but it is uh, definitely the most time-consuming thing we do uh, at Maximum Fun. And, uh, yeah, and I have, you know, a very lucrative job uh, uh, getting dead possums out from underneath houses. I mean, people pay a lot of money because they don't want to get that possum out themselves. No, absolutely not. It's disgusting. Yeah, they, you, and look, you, go, you, get, you talk to a homeless guy, mm-hmm. he's going to want at least $25 for that. Jordan does it fast for 20 bucks. You can do it so fast, you can do what? Eight or 10 of those in an hour. Yeah, absolutely. That's 200 that's, bucks an uh, that's hour. That's my motto. Fast, friendly, the possum is gone. <laughs> so, you know, like when you're paying a homeless guy to do it, you know, you're going to have to deal with some ranting, uh, <laughs> right? some, you know, anti-government slogans. Sure. He's uh, probably going to smoke a rock under your porch. He may while he's under there. Um, yeah, so, you know, and, and with me, you know, I'm not going to eat the possum later. Right. That's a concern with homeless guys. Because of liability issues is the biggest, is the biggest concern there. Why, I'm more concerned for the possum's soul. (laughs) If the homeless guy eats the possum, its soul doesn't get to go to possum heaven. So I dispose of it in a way so that it will get to go to possum heaven. Listen, I'm not here to talk about my humane, friendly possum removal service. <laughs> what I'm saying is that the show is is very time consuming and and uh you know, in the world of creative people when you're when you're doing creative projects and uh money becomes an issue, the the first things that you have to jettison from your life are the things that are fun that you're just doing for free. So uh, if this show is something that you like, and all the Maximum Fun shows for that matter, um, yeah, give a little bit of money to just kind of make sure that the creative people don't have to get rid of this project when, you know, finances get in the way. And, you know, this is also a project that has a literal, very real cost. You know, sure. we we pay for the editing of this project. We pay for the studio where we put the uh, English comedians. We pay for the connection between us and England. 
Um, all of these things. I would say that the crumpet budget is probably higher on this show than our other shows. It's certainly the highest of any production we've attempted right. thus far. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have done some uh, some of those. You know how they do the fan episodes of Star Trek? Mm-hmm. We have been working on some fan episodes of Downton Abbey that have pretty high crumpet budgets. Mm-hmm. But this is even higher. Yeah. Even higher, I would say. And plus, you know, you have to take into account food. Uh, fuel heating for uh, the luxury recording yacht. Luxury recording yachts are not free. I, now, I will admit that I got mine on discount from Pharrell. Right. I bought it from Pharrell. He got an even bigger one. But there was a lot of dead possums in the hole <laughs> that we had to fish out. <laughs> so many po- How do they even get... The, what are they, sea possums? I don't know. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, ultimately, you got to be careful when you take your yacht to the bayou. So we, buy the, we buy the yacht, we find the possums, and then all of a sudden, Pharrell changes his number. How convenient. <laughs> but whether you're a new listener to this show or an old Maximum Fund hand, uh, go to MaximumFund.org slash donate. Uh, we even have a challenge pledge for every new donor uh, that comes in during this Max Fund drive, which lasts only two weeks. Uh, our our existing donors have pledged a total of over six bucks, so we will get six bucks just for you signing up. Uh, that's to say nothing of the amount of money that you give. When when we come back a little bit later on in the show, we will share with you uh, the pledge levels at which you can give and the cool stuff that you can give. But ultimately, the greatest gift of all, as Whitney Houston once sang, is international waters itself, right? Too soon. <laughs> Maximumfund.org slash donate. So at the end of that round, things actually surprisingly close, although the UK holds a slim lead. Let's see if the teams can pull apart with this quickfire round where all the questions are worth two points. You've got 30 seconds to answer as many questions as you possibly can. United States, since you're behind, I'll let you have the first choice of category. You can choose hour-long television dramas or board games. Got it. What do you think? Games. You think games? Are you, 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 are you big with games? What was your first instinct? My first instinct was the first one, was the hour-long dramas, because my life is an hour-long drama, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? Are you, are you really board game-centric? I'm pretty into board games, All right. but... let's do board games. Let's do uh, board games. Okay. Are, yeah, let's do board I'm games. not into pressure. We're going we're gonna to go with board games, Jess. Well, the pressure is on. The category is board games, and let's start the clock. Community Chest and Chance are cards in which board game? Monopoly. The word game Scrabble was the inspiration for this popular mobile phone game. Words Words by friends. Guess who is a popular game for how many players? Two. Two. That's correct. Gary Gygax is the inventor of what? Dungeons and Dragons. That's correct. (laughs) This military strategy game has had editions set in both the Star Wars and Lord of the Rings universes. Settlers of Catan. Incorrect. Risk. Settlers of Catan is a board game phenomenon from what country? Belgium. Incorrect. Germany. Shit. Shoots and Ladders is a less scary name for this game first played in 19th century India. Snakes and Ladders. That's correct. And that's time. Oh my goodness, DC. (laughs) You had a secret. That's 12 points for the U.S. A really dramatic showing, an impressive showing i'd hate to see what Get he ready. Knew we're gonna kick your ass <laughs> your, your collective ass <laughs> you've been talking a lot of smack there uk let's see if you can back it up with your knowledge of hour-long television dramas 
Hour long British oh. television dramas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and let's start that clock. Ice T co stars in this branch of the Law and Order franchise. The Wire? Incorrect. <laughs> British sketch. Co- it's Law and Order SVU. British sketch comedian Hugh Laurie stars as an American doctor in this. House. House. That's House. correct. House. This British actor starred in both The Wire and The Hour. Dominic West. That's absolutely correct. This is Maggie Smith's title in the hit show Downton Abbey. <gasps> Don't know. Uh, Lady. Lady Posh Face. (laughs) I'll give you a point for Lady Posh Face. The correct answer was (laughs) the Dowager Countess. Brian Cranston has won the Best Actor Emmy for playing this character on Breaking Bad. Mr. Meth. (laughs) (laughs) I just heard about it. Yes. It sounds really good, though. Mr. Meth. Breaking Bad, by the way. Breaking Bad is a drama about the Wu-Tang Clan. Uh, this sci-fi drama from Steven Spielberg was recently canceled after only one season. The man who didn't do anything. That is incorrect, and that is time. So we have six points for the UK in that round, and the United States has not only closed the gap, but jumped into the lead. I would also just uh, like to note for the record that my name actually, DC, actually stands for Dowager Countess. (laughs) (laughs) Dowager Countess Pearson. Now's the time on the show when we welcome a celebrity guest to help us challenge the cultural metal of our panelists. Our guest today is the best-selling author of three books. Her first book was Saturday Night, about what people in more than two dozen communities across the United States do on their Saturday nights. It was a bestseller. In 1994, she published The Orchid Thief, which became the movie adaptation. Yes, it's true. She was played in the movie by Meryl Streep. Her new best-selling book is Rin Tin Tin, The Life and the Legend. It's the story of the dog Rin Tin Tin and the character Rin Tin Tin and the intersections between dog and character. It also has a particularly spectacular list of fake Rin Tin Tin names. They mostly involve the phrase Wonder Dog. <laughs> She writes regularly for The New Yorker, among other publications, and she's one of the literary world's most beloved Twitterers with over 200,000 followers. Susan Orlean, it is a joy to have you join us here on International Waters. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy preparations to travel to Italy. I'm very happy to be here. Has Italy chosen sides in this conflict? I think that's an important question that you should decide. I'm not at liberty to (laughs) divulge, but... uh, I just would be careful if I were you. Oh, no! Susan Orlean is a defector who's on her way to meet up with Silvio Berlusconi. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I'm a little old for him, I'm afraid. I, <laughs> I actually You're have, over 24. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I'm, I qualify for a driver's license, so I think I'm a little old for Mr. Berlusconi. But what can I say? When I was in Milan, Italy recently, I was told that Silvio Berlusconi gave all of his... Uh, mistresses slash concubines matching cars because he got a really good deal on buying like 30 of them at once. He just bought 30 Mini Coopers was the type of car. If I might take this opportunity to alienate an international powerhouse brand. But he bought 30 Mini Coopers and then they were all the same color, the same basic trim level. And so in 
in Italy, people who drive around that color of Mini Cooper who are young women are presumed to have been Silvio Berlusconi's concubine. That's a genius. Actually, it's, uh, uh, I like it as a brand. It's a, <laughs> it creates a brand. The, yeah. the, the mistress brand. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So, Susan, you just finished your uh, book tour for uh, Rin Tin Tin, which is an absolutely wonderful and delightful book. I'm a dog owner, and I uh, I like dogs, and your your book was one of my favorite books that I read last year. Maybe my favorite, but I'm going to go ahead and say my favorite book yeah. I read last year. And I, I can only imagine that it must have brought out dog people. Yeah, to your advice. Yeah, and actually it was interesting. I got a lot of emails from I in fact I got one last night from a lot of men telling me that after they read the book, they went and it, they hugged their dogs and cried. Aww. Because the book is actually full of a lot of sadness and and a lot of poignancy and I think it made people look at their dogs and think, "Oh my god, you know, I really do love you, but it was interesting how many men said that to me. I mean, I got an email last night from a guy who, of course, I immediately Googled just to see who he was, and he's some business guy telling me that his dog was, he has a German Shepherd, she's old, he doesn't think she'll last for another more than six more months, and that after he read the book, he sat down and hugged her and cried, and he said and it, was, it was a great feeling. So yeah, I've I've connected with the the doggy world in a in a profound way. My aunt who I love very much is deeply engaged in husky rescue. Mm. Um and uh she is uh, Elizabeth Lame is applauding. She's you're Silently. you also do dog rescue, right Elizabeth? Yeah, I'm actually I'm going to I'm leading the no kill movement in LA. It's a big, wow. it's a big thing. No kill people or no kill dogs. No kill dogs. Well, she's against oh. both. Yeah, I mean, I mean to be fair, yeah, actually, no. no. <laughs> you think the human herd could use a little culling? Thin, yeah, thin it out. Uh, yeah. yeah, no. Especially no, no. in LA. <laughs> yes, exactly. My aunt is uh, is a husky uh, rescue person, and she wears exclusively husky related clothing. Oh, that's a good look. <laughs> it is. It's she's, a good look. She's not husky, I should explain. She's right. quite thin. But um, she will wear a husky sweatshirt, husky earrings, a husky hat. You know, the, I think there's a whole fashion story to be written about thematic wardrobes. Because <laughs> I can also tell you that when I was touring with the Orchid Thief, I met an awful lot of people who wear orchid clothing. Orchid earrings, orchid sweaters, you know pants with orchid embroidery and oh i can assure you there's an awful lot of german shepherd mm. wear out there i mean a lot and you know not just the bumper sticker for the car with the silhouette of the dog but the entire look <laughs> and it's a it's a look and what was weird <laughs> is that right around the time that the my book came out Balenciaga had in in their fall collection a beautiful Cape actually sweater made from, a from German, German Shepherd. Shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, it was shocking, shocking. No, it was a, a sweater that they showed in their couture show that had a German Shepherd, the face of a German Shepherd, I think, done in sequins. It was actually really cool. The sweater cost uh, you know six thousand dollars, and of 
I can't tell you the number of people who sent me the picture saying, you know, you really need to buy this. And I thought, well, <laughs> actually, no, I do not really need to buy this. But thank you. For, I already wrote that book. Thank right, you. really. It's, but it's a striking image for sure. I just I don't sort of dress that way. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get into dressing more around the subject matter of your books. Tom yeah. Clancy is always wearing Navy SEAL gear anytime yeah. you see him. Totally. Head to toe. Totally. Tom uh, yeah. Clancy just wears a hat that's shaped like a submarine at all times. <laughs> I Yeah, I, I don't know. I I think that's the next move in marketing is that you become your book. <laughs> you, you know, you just. And then the people of Miami try to store cocaine in you. Like an oh god, well <laughs> they they do that anyway. Yeah. But that's yeah, I think that's where you go. Oh, that's tr- that's terrible. That I mean, all the using dogs as mules. Oh, we oh, just I meant, meant submarines. I meant that in a book way or submarines. We all took a lot of different things away from that. That was sort god. of a weird. That was really. Test. That was yeah. really. I meant that they hide cocaine in books. You thought submarine. You thought dog. I yeah, thought I in in her. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> they, they will. They'll get around that. to it for sure. No, don't they? Sometimes I mean, is hasn't there? Haven't there been cases where they've smuggled drugs in Inside animals? Inside of animals? Yes. Ooh. Ooh. I guess it's not surprising, but it's terrible. Ooh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm making that up. No, maybe. no, that does happen. Well, we're definitely sure. all having sure. a lot of fun here today. <laughs> <laughs> so, Susan, you are the authority, having written the book Rin Tin Tin, on all animals in show business. At least that's our premise for this right. round. So we thought you should quiz our panelists on some other performing beasts. And um, I'm going to go ahead and have those of you who are uh, competing in this competition ring in for this round. And I will give you a word to ring in with. Uh, the United States, you will use elevator. And the UK, you will use lift. Um, Susan, what's our first question? All right. Everybody ready? Ready. Yeah. This dog puppet was a fixture of Late Night with Conan O'Brien and had the signature catchphrase, for me to poop on. Elevator. Uh, United States. Triumph the insult comic dog is the answer. That's absolutely correct. Ding, 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 ding. And I'll tell you something about Triumph the insult comic dog. I recently watched the best of Triumph the insult comic dog uh, from the internet into my television. And, uh, man, I found out that I love Triumph the insult comic dog as much as a 30-year-old as I did as a (laughs) 17-year-old. It holds up big time. Uh, there's at one point he asks Richie Sambora whether he feathers his pubes. Oh my god! <laughs> and that was pretty tremendous. Elevator, uh, yes, he does. Well, wait, yeah, I, I I was waiting for the answer on that one. Okay, Susan, what's the next question? All right, something a little less culturally biased. If you got anything? <laughs> uh, no comment. No comment. The animals that most people remember from Deep Blue Sea were the bloodthirsty CGI sharks. But a friendlier animal accompanied LL Cool J's heroic mess hall chef. What was that animal? Lift. Lift. Bonus. Ashley. Hold Jones. on, we've got a little oh, bit more okay. question. Bonus points if you know any of the rap that LL recorded for the movie's closing credits. You've been swimming with us in the deep blue sea. The time has come to leave the cinema. See, you can go out on the <laughs> no, street and please, get something please to eat. Stop rapping! <laughs> it's all Saturday. I can ask is that you stop rapping. Is that right? Oh, I got that, that right. That was right. That was the second verse. Not many people know that. 
<laughs> you somehow composed a song that is worse than LL Cool J's <laughs> theme song from the movie Deep maybe, Blue maybe, Sea. You know, maybe he should get bonus points for that. Yeah, I'll give him a point for that. I think he should the get bonus points. Uh, elevator. Rap yeah. Form. We've got a guess here in the United States. What, what do you think, DC? Um, well, I don't know what his pet was. I'm just going to guess that it was a goat named Goat, as in Greatest of All Time, which was one of his <laughs> albums. And I will say, if I could pick up the spare on the bonus points, that the uh, the chorus of that LL Cool J song famously went, my hat is like a shark's fin. Oh, Whoa. yeah. It sure did. In fact, let's let's take a listen to a little tiny bit of that song, because it is amazing. Lewis, my hat is like a shark's fin. <laughs> Deep and then bluest. he turns into a shark in the video, and it's the worst CGI you've ever seen. It is absolutely amazing. I gotta watch this. This is, it's magical. Okay, so Susan, what's the next question? <laughs> in the 90s sitcom Friends, what was the name of Ross's pet monkey? <gasps> Elevator. Okay, the United States gets it. Uh, Marcel... That's correct. Ooh, you're good. You're oh, good. Oh well, wow. it, that's that's four points for the U.S. in this round. One point for the U.K. for that admirable hip hop performance. <laughs> and by admirable, I guess I probably mean execrable. I think the word I'm looking for is execrable. But it was brave to do it. Susan Orlean, uh, thank you so much for joining us on International Waters. It was really a delight. My pleasure. And play on. <laughs> <laughs> Our next round is Hunger Games quote or 1980s pop lyric. Oh, good. I'm, I got, I'm <laughs> on Elizabeth this. is so excited about this. Uh, just tell us whether you think the quote comes from the Hunger Games books or from a popular 1980s jam. Contestants will be awarded one point for each correct answer and a bonus point for identifying the song if it's a song. I guess you could also have a bonus point for identifying the Hunger Games character Although that's pretty embarrassing, and I don't know if anyone will want to, you know, say on record that they can identify a character from the Hunger Games. I have no shame. <laughs> I, I believe only Billy Idol is both a character in the Hunger Games and a 1980s pop star. Is that correct or incorrect? I believe that is correct. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and give you a point for that. <laughs> um, first, first question, I'm going to send this over to the UK. I am not pretty. I am not beautiful. I am as radiant as the sun. Ooh. I'd say that was from Hunger Games. I don't even know what Hunger Games is, but uh, I imagine it's a bit like Hungry Hippos, which is a game we have over here where plastic hippos <laughs> exactly open like their that. mouths and you like drop marbles into them. That is that is a Hunger Game. <laughs> yeah, it's basically exactly the same as Hungry Hungry Hippos. <laughs> um, just replace the hippos with tweens and the marbles with the Hunger Games. <laughs> Uh, you're, you're correct. Oh, they they eat it up. They eat it up. Uh, you're correct. That was from the Hunger Games. The character was Katniss. Katniss Everdeen. Wow, Elizabeth actually knew. Elizabeth actually knew. But, oh, that's uh, amazing. That's a point for you guys, UK. Uh, the next question here to the United States: When the night falls down, I wait for you, and you come around, and the world is alive. Is that from a 1980s pop song or The Hunger Games? It's... Got, I think it's from The 
talk on microphone. Okay, you think it's from I a think, song? I think it's from a song. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and say that it's from a song since Elizabeth cannot identify it as a Hunger Games quote. However, I I, I am at, at a loss to identify the song, so I'm just gonna say Safety Dance. <laughs> That is a great guess, DC, and you are correct for one point that it is a song. It is not the safety dance, however. Is it the hunger dance? (laughs) (laughs) It's Belinda Carlisle's Heaven is a Place on Earth. Do you know what that's worth? One point. That's how much. Great song. Um, So that's a point. She's wrong, though. She's wrong. That's a point for the... <laughs> the song makes a convincing case, though. You have to admit. It's one it really of the most does. She has great PowerPoint slides to go along song with it. lyrics in 80s history. Embarrassing. We're back to the UK now. Here's your quote Here your dreams are sweet, and tomorrow brings them true. Here is the place where I love you. Oh. Well, that's a, that's a song. If anyone ever said that to me, I would hit them and then divorce them yeah. if I was already married I can, to them. I can't think of any relevance that would have to a game of Hungry Hippos or any <laughs> similar game. It's just there's no point in the game where that would even metaphorically apply to the play. I think so that's it's a badly a written <laughs> lyric. Yeah. You are incorrect. That is actually from oh, no. the Hunger Games. It's a trick question Wait now a minute. because it's in If a you song. look at the paragraph, though, in the Hunger Games, you'll see that someone is quoting an 80s song. <laughs> it's got a little inverted it's commas around it. quoting Belinda Carlisle. Wait, Elizabeth, are there songs in the Hunger Games? Well, that's a scene where Katniss is singing her ally to death. And wait, what? Is this a Xanadu? What's going on? <laughs> is this Michael Jackson's Moonwalker for the Sega Genesis? <laughs> I, I literally read The Hunger Games in the last two days. Like, that's the book I read. Um, and she's singing her ally in the games as she dies. And she's singing to her, and that, those are lyrics in the song. That is amazing. Both that you were able to identify that and that you apparently read a book every two days. No, I don't. Or <laughs> the alternate interpretation of what you just said is that that is the book that you plan to read for the rest of your life. <laughs> or you can read your enemies to death with it because it sounds All ridiculous. All of the above. All of the above. Okay, U.S. team, here we go. The curtains are closed. The cat's in the cradle. Who would have thought that a boy like me could come to this? Song, right? I got to go with the song. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, again, can't, uh, can't identify it, but we're going to have to go Wait, 80s song. I might, I might oh, try to identify it. Okay, please. Uh, uh, oh, never mind. I okay. can't. Uh, I was going to say Cat Stevens. Dancing in the Dark by uh, keynote speaker Bruce Springsteen, even though I that's know that's right. incorrect. And the, the Prince of Thieves. And the boss. That's a point for you for guessing that it was a song. It is. That was from Cutting Crew's. I just died in your arms tonight. Ah, wow, after being sung ah. to death by Katniss Everdeen, apparently. <laughs> okay, yes. UK, here you go. I wish I could take this moment, freeze it, and live in it forever. That could be either. Yeah. Um, I, think I'm, I think just from the meter of it, we're going to go with uh, a literary source. So Hunger I'm saying Games. it's The Hunger Games. Yeah. I think it's the it's the part in the Hunger Games where Katniss tries to sing her uh, ally into a state of arousal <laughs> using, a pro- using a prose form s- set to a twelve tone scale. Um, you are correct that it is from the Hunger Games. The character's name is Peter. Mm-hmm. Peta. Peter. 
PETA? I mean, I read it, so I don't know how it's pronounced. <laughs> well, I'm looking to you as an expert on all things Hunger Games. And it is an anthropomorphic PETA, is it not? <laughs> and Katniss is dipping in in hummus? Yes. Yes? Okay, exactly. fantastic. And the Prince of Thieves. <laughs> okay, U.S., it's back to you. I always channel my emotions into my work. That way, I don't hurt anyone but myself. It's the Hunger Games. Yes. Can you identify the character? Once again, it's Katniss Everdeen. That's incorrect. It's, oh. It's Cinna. Oh, I, I stand correct. <laughs> I thought it was Cindy Lauper because immediately afterwards, I believe the character says Shebop. <laughs> <laughs> but you you do get a point for that for identifying that it was from the Hunger Games. Thank you. You did get arrogant there. I got a little cocky. Yeah. I did. I'm sorry. I, I apologize. Mean, it, certainly, it's something to be proud of that you know <laughs> a lot about the Hunger Games. Clearly. Um, back to you, UK. It's all over and I'm standing pretty. In this dust that was a city. City. Um, Correct. City. I, th- <laughs> <laughs> I think it. Um, I think it's unlikely to be a song because all songs in the eighties were about love, unless it was about being in love with a city. Well, events relating to love could have taken place in the city. Yeah. I'm 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 going to defer to my team captain. I think having slagged off the writing from the Hunger Games before, I actually think some of those quotes are quite nice. Uh, Yeah, I I think we'll go with Hunger Games. Hunger Games, Hunger Games. It's quite a philosophical thing to say, and that sounds Hunger Games-y to me. It does rhyme internally, so we'd have to think of a reason for someone to be speaking in verse. In, in the, the Hunger, Hunger Games. Games. I still don't know what the Hunger Games oh, is. It's a, it's a it bat- might be during one of the many battle rap like, sequences. It's like uh, <laughs> uh, a, a, um, a gauntlet, uh, ch- terrible, uh, how would you explain it? Like um, with dragons in it and stuff, and you have to go th- to different rooms and uh, complete yeah, tasks. Yeah, it's like the Crystal Maze. Oh my God, I love stuff like that. Getting lost. Yeah. <laughs> I really love stuff like that. In yeah. fact, I w- want to set up a real life one where the audience has to walk through and, uh, well... I would say it sounds like it's from that because it sounds like a pretty... Yeah, it's a good quote. All right, Hunger Games. Incorrect. That is from 99 Red Balloons by Nina. Mm. (sighs) That's a great song. Can you do it in the original German? Yes, but I'm not going to. 99 Luftballon. (laughs) You got to admit, it's a lot of Luft balloons. (laughs) (laughs) I got 99 Luft balloons, but a bitch ain't one. Um, back to you, United States. You're a painter. You're a baker. You like to sleep with the window open. You never take sugar in your tea. That sounds like the Pretenders, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound like a lesser verse in like Brass and Pocket or something? This is this is tough because it's describing a character quite specifically. Oh, it is. Okay, well then we got to go with that, right? But I don't remember it being said. If it sounds like it is describing a character in the Hunger Games, then it's either a really well-written question or... <laughs> or Yeah, I, I gotta say the Hunger Games. You are absolutely correct. Yes! Oh, okay, good. Okay, Crystal Maze time. Ooh. Okay. My, my point can be if Izzy reads the Hunger Games because I think she'll really enjoy it. I was gonna say, I think we've <laughs> oh, gained two new fans here read today. It. We've got a show over here called Nightmare with a K, and it was like there was a guy with a beard who was like, "Welcome, stranger," and then they had to walk through these different rooms. It was amazing. People said oh, you're gonna, you're still like it, but I've got all this series on DVD. You're you gonna think plot. I like the Hunger Games? Yes. 
Here's Thank our you so la- much. If I can take one away- thing away from today, it's been one of the best days of my life because I've learned about Hunger Games and Prince of Thieves. <laughs> Here's our last question for the UK. And the last known survivor stalks his prey in the night, and he's watching us all. You guys can chat amongst yourselves. It's got to be Hunger Games. Hunger Games, Hunger Games. It, it summarises the whole ethos and theme and the, everything about the Hunger Games. Yeah. What little we know of it. Unfortunately, like, that... There's a marble. There's like one last marble and one last hippo. And he's still hungry. <laughs> it's in play. <laughs> and it doesn't look good for the marble. That's what I think that lyric... The marble's the smallest marble. Expresses. And it's the weakest. It's the runt marble. I'm Rob, looking at Elizabeth's face on Skype to try and work, look inside her brain for clues, and yeah. see if she can tell us with her eyes whether it's from Hunger Games. Unfortunately, that is incorrect. That is from oh. Survivor's Eye of the Tiger. Oh. Eye of the Tiger. In fairness, that tiger is hungry, hungry. That ti- tiger is super, super hungry. <laughs> So, uh, looks like the U.S. really cleaned the U.K.'s clock in that round with four points yeah. to the U.K.'s two. Uh, so, that brings things a lot closer together. Um, we're going to take one more pledge break here. So, I'm going to throw it over to my good friend, Jesse Thorne, and International Waters head writer, Jordan Morris. Hey gang, it's me, Jesse Thorne, your host. Jordan Morris, the writer of International Waters. Oh man, let's talk about what people can get if they support International Waters and all of MaximumFun.org by going to MaximumFun.org slash donate and giving up just a, a few bucks a month. Basically, pocket change. I Jordan. might as go as far as to say chump change. Well, these people you think aren't chumps. Is that too? These people aren't chumps. No, this is change you would give to a chump. Why are you like giving this, your change to chumps? You know, to have them like do stuff for you. Stuff that would be more expensive if you asked a person who had like normal faculties. Like cleaning possums out from underneath your Exactly. That's 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 my service. Chump change, <laughs> possum removal. Okay. Fun, friendly, <laughs> makes the possums go away. Okay. Fast friendly. Fast. It's not fun. <laughs> I'm not suggesting that I can make such a daunting task fun. Fun, friendly, stinks of death. That's the slogan that I suggest for you. Okay. Chumpchangepossumremoval.org. Um, if you go to MaximumFun.org slash donate, there are levels for every income and ability to pay. Everything from 5 bucks a month to 200 bucks a month. Um, for 5 bucks a month, you get access to exclusive content. Exclusive, Jordan. If there's one thing that the internet has taught us is that teens love content. Yeah, if you've got teens, if you're a believer in in exclusive content, yeah, um, you get uh, special donors only episodes of Jordan Jesse Go, Judge John Hodgman, Stop Podcasting Yourself, My Brother, My Brother and Me, and Throwing Shade, plus three Rift short films: uh, one by Stop Podcasting Yourself, one by Jordan and myself, and one by the My Brother, My Brother and Me's, the McElroy Brothers. Mm-hmm. The, this is not stuff that uh, anyone else can access; only donors. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of cool bonus podcasts, and uh, these shorts, uh, if I do say so myself, are pretty gosh darn funny. If you give ten bucks a month, you get all of that, and you join the Friends of the Family level, which also entitles you to a Max Fun friendship bracelet. Now, I have promised on Twitter already that anyone who wears one of these bracelets is entitled to one hug from me. 
mm-hmm. in real life. The McElroy brothers have promised the same. My sub rule is no humping. Sure. You know what I mean? This is our standard hug, not a pelvic hug. Okay. I mean, hey, I'll I'll, I'll go as far as to pelvic hug. I know, Jesse, you're a married guy. Yeah, I'm so you can't for. you can't go around pelvic hugging, but uh I mean, you know, I don't have any uh I don't have any obligations to anybody, so fuck man. If you want a pelvic hug, I'll I'll throw down. That's pretty good. Twenty bucks a month you join the Diamond Friendship Circle, you get all of that. I'm talking about the bonus content. I'm talking about the pelvic hugs. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the friendship bracelet. Plus, you get a stainless steel water bottle with the Max Fun Rocket logo. Friends do not let friends drink out of poisonous water bottles. Mm-hmm. You know those water bottles, they give you poison. Oh, yeah, they fill you with BPAs. Yeah, BPAs. You don't want to <laughs> fill yourself with BPAs. That's BIPAs. Yeah. You, you, wanna, want, you want your water BPA-free. You don't want to mess with those BIPAs. Yeah. Um, $35 per month. This is the one that I, th- I'm, I'm so excited about this one. You get the Friendship Emergency Kit. And again, each level, you get all of the previous gifts as well. But at the $35 a month level, you get the Friendship Emergency Kit. It is everything you need for emergency friendship. Anytime friendship fucking comes down from the heavens and you're not prepared for it, you just bust out this kit. You're ready to go. Number one. You get Tonks coffee. This Tonks coffee, this is the ultra premium shit. Mm-hmm. This is the stuff, the, only the best. This is the absolute best. Are these whole beans or has this been pre-ground? Whole beans because you gr- once you grind them, then they, uh, they go... They uh, lose their essence. They lose their... Yeah, they, they go uh, stale. Mm-hmm. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah. My wife knows a lot about coffee. <laughs> My wife is really, really intense about coffee. And Tonks is the only thing she wanted for Christmas this year. So we talked to Tonks. They let us get some half bags of coffee to, so you can share a cup of coffee with your pals. Okay, that's number one. Number two, you get Max Fun playing cards so you can play Go Fish with your pals. Or how about some bridge? Yeah. You can start a pinnacle group. Indian poker. Yeah. Pin- Unless well, I recommend, you find that offensive. I recommend pinnacle. Uh, you get Mad Libs. Great. Everybody needs Mad Libs, sure. right? Very fun. Very you, social. You get bubblegum cigars. Mm-hmm. That's great, you know, if you need something to puff on, but you don't want to get the mouth cancer. Sure. Again, we're looking out for your health. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get uh, Alka-Seltzer in case you party a little bit too hard. With your friends. Yeah, with your friends, exactly. And look, there is no expression of friendship greater than getting a tattoo with your friend. That's why the friendship kit includes maximum fun rocket ship temporary tattoos. That's great. So you and your friend can get matching Maximum Fun Rocket Ship Tattoos. You also get a headphone splitter, so you can listen to your favorite podcasts with your friends. That's fun. Uh, you get a box of Kashi Good Friends breakfast cereal. I insisted on that one. They're yeah. really big and difficult to ship. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and we are actually basically just going to have to go to the grocery store and buy all the ones that they have. Yeah. We couldn't come up with a system to get them for wholesale or something like mm. that. But just... It is the most delightful friendship gift that there is, right? That's true. Full of fiber, too. So you and your friends will be regular. Absolutely. Keeps you regular. Uh, You get best friends necklaces. You know these kind of necklaces where it's like a heart that's broken in half? And then, you know, they come together. Yeah. You and your best friends can wear them. Uh, Plus, you get the friendship bracelet, the water bottle, and the donors only stuff. I mean, this is amazing. This kid is unbelievable. I'm finding it hard to believe as you're saying it. And I know you're not full of shit, but like I'm finding it hard to believe. All these great shows, you can swing 35 bucks a month, 50 bucks a month. Check out what I will do. Mm. I personally, me, I will bake blondies for you. Now, a lot of fans know that I can't eat chocolate. I just can't. 
uh, migraine trigger. Mm-hmm. So I've become very good at making blondies, which is the non-chocolate version of brownies. I will bake them for you. Butterscotch, right? That's the... Okay. You got it. You That's got it. That's the base there. I will FedEx them to your door. I will bake them for you, put them, bake them in a special pan, put them in a special box, and FedEx them to your door. Great. 50 bucks a month, the Thorn Family Blondie Brigade. Mm-hmm. I do the baking, my friend. My wife packs it and ships it because I care. Jordan. You've also got that Tonks coffee, too. Those will go great with the blondies. This stuff is tremendous. Okay. $100 a month, you join Jesse's Golden Eagles. Mm-hmm. You get all of the crap that we just listed. This amazing list of stuff. Sure. You also get invited to the Max Fun Dinner. You've been to the Max Fun Dinner, I have Jordan. been to the Max Fun Dinner. This is a great dinner. Yeah. This is the night before Max FunCon mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. So many eminent personages attend this dinner. Yeah. It's absurd. A lot of drop-ins. Oh, there's drop-ins with celebrities. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Hodgman's there every year. I'm there every the year. They're, you're there every mm-hmm. year. The McElroy brothers, I think, will be there this year. Sure. Um, but also, you know, just miscellaneous people that are coming to Max FunCon happen to live in L.A. They, they stop by, happen to be in L.A. Sometimes you'll get a Jonathan Colton. You get a John sure. Roderick. Who's these... to say that Earthquake won't drop by to do a set? Earthquake might drop in for a set. I'm, go- I'm not saying he's not going to. Jordan, there's one level left. Mm. It's the $200 a month level. This is a level... I mean, those of you out there who are thinking about really stepping up to the plate and supporting Maximum Fun, this is the way to do it. This level is so powerful... I mean, here's the thing. I didn't think that anyone could top Jesse's Golden Eagles until yeah, until Jordan's Platinum Angels. That's the top level. It's the best level. Hmm. You get all that stuff. You get to come to the Max FunCon dinner, and you also get a ticket to Max FunCon. You will be our honored guest at Max FunCon. And you will be an American hero. Sure. We will get you a Purple Heart. <laughs> all right. Whether we have to murder... A disabled veteran and take steal his it. purple heart. Anyway, it doesn't matter what your ability to pay is. You can't afford one of these levels. Um, the important thing is that you're supporting the shows that you like. I mean, we, we make all of these shows and we give them all away for free because we trust that the people who like them will help support and pay for them. That's yeah. how it works, right? So, yeah, and absolutely. And International Waters is, is, is new. It's ambitious and it's definitely uh, cost-intensive and time-intensive. Uh, and uh, frankly, we don't have to keep doing it. <laughs> so, uh, if you do, if you have liked these past couple of shows, and this is if this is something you would like to see uh, monthly, or even uh, perhaps in the future more regularly than monthly, uh, yeah, just give give some money and and let us know this is something you like. Yeah, maximumfun.org/slash/donate. For me, this is like a big experiment in can we start a project and have our audience say this is great and back it up. Um, because we, all of our projects to this point have been stuff where we are uh, venturing very little other than our talent. Mm-hmm. You know, we are saying, well, well, it's a lot of things that we can just back out of easily. You know what I mean? Yeah. At the end of the day, my brother, my brother, and me is three brothers that like to spend some time with each other. And, you know, if they have to shut down because they can't afford to do it for free, then they can just shut it down. Mm-hmm. This is something that we're actually spending a lot of money on. <laughs> So I really hope and trust that you'll go to MaximumFun.org slash donate and support it. Okay, let's get back to the show. 
And so with the United States holding a narrow lead as we enter our final round, we come to In Defense. The winner of this round will receive 1,000 points, which will make all of the previous rounds completely irrelevant. Man, I can't believe that you guys were trying so hard. That was a terrible (laughs) mistake. I'm literally on the edge of my seat. I've been trying so hard. That was distinctly uncool of you to try. (laughs) If if I learned anything from high school, uh, in our round in defense, each team will have 60 seconds to leap to the defense of a cultural force that is widely considered to be bad or weak or sucky. The best defense, as judged somewhat arbitrarily by me, will receive the points. United States, you will be defending rap rock. In the late 1990s, a fusion of heavy metal and hip-hop burst onto the airwaves and made stars of terrible bands like Limp Bizkit, Korn, and Bloodhound Gang. The genre has not aged well, and most of the bands associated with it are perceived now as pathetic jokes. You have 60 seconds to combine to form a coherent defense of the genre known as rap rock. Ready? Steady. Start that clock. Firstly, many guys who did it all for the Nookie got quite a bit of Nookie thanks to Lip Biscuit <laughs> in that era. Secondly, I believe Linkin Park might fall into that same category. Definitely. <laughs> and the Billboard 100 of top income producers came out last week, and they are number 40. So they are still very relevant in, in the world of music. DC? Uh, third, um, how would you know who the assholes are, or how would you know who the jerks are, if not hmm. for people who were wearing, like, rap rock identified things, or energy drink t-shirts, or backwards black hats, or people that are really into, like, extreme uh, motocross is really important. Correct. And um, Mission Impossible 3 would not be where it was, if I think, or maybe two, or maybe one, without the Limp Biscuit theme song that really took it that next level. Yeah, absolutely. Um, those are two really wonderful, really vibrant musical genres, and it was really cool of them to completely kill both of them by combining them in an awful way. You've got 15 seconds. Wrap it up. Yes. Or rock it up, as the case may be. Um, and uh, also, in what other forum do you find uh, ear gauges and... Uh, Hip-hop paraphernalia married in such a beautiful way. And also, Limp Bizkit just signed to Young Money. Young Money, Cash Money Records. And so, time. Great. <laughs> Did you really think that the thing that would convince me would be that, they, would be that they've got the imprimatur of Baby, a.k.a. number one stunner? Yes, I absolutely <laughs> do. I know you. Have you watched this documentary about Lil Wayne uh, that Baby is featured uh, heavily in? Uh-huh. I have never seen a man with colder, deader eyes than Baby. Is his hat like a shark's fin? (laughs) I wouldn't say that. Um, UK, that was a... Well, what's sad about him is that in, in his in his mental life, he has actually stayed a baby. He <laughs> <laughs> um, made the best of it. He really has. UK, you've got a, you've got a good shot at uh, defending your nation's honor here. Um, you will be defending the Eurovision Song Contest. The Eurovision Song Contest is the most watched non-sporting event in the world. It's a singing competition show that pits countries against one another. It has been won by such superstars as Celine Dion and ABBA. The performances on the show continue to grow more histrionic every year, and it's now known more for its camp value than for showcasing legitimate musical talent. Defend the Eurovision Song Contest. You have 60 seconds to fabricate a coherent defense. Ready, steady, 
Start that clock. Well, the name Eurovision uh, it was actually the first critique of the concept. It actually meant your zero vision, uh, <laughs> which was uh, what people said to someone who proposed it originally. Uh, from across the world, you think of uh, Europe as one united uh, entity, but we, you know, from here we all hate each other. And uh, small European countries that don't have any standing in the world, Eurovision is their forum to judge other larger countries. It's the only <laughs> chance they get to cast yeah. dispersion on their neighbours. Often but, the voting's incredibly political and that can be good for small countries who need to make a point. That's right. And it's kind of a safe way for diplomatic alliances to be strengthened. You know, you think I'm joking? Uh, uh, well, I am. But uh, <laughs> when... Uh, it's... Uh, you, you hear sort of bizarre sentences, you know, p- people, commentators will talk about the Latvian judges, uh, uh, you know, the suspense before they award Germany this number of points or that number of points. And um, it uh, just for a brief window in time, it gives the little guy a chance to roar like a, like a lion. That's And that's time. a beautiful thing. The music's not beautiful, but the <laughs> democracy is beautiful. Have you guys seen uh, the the Eurovision winning contest that was like a Northern European or perhaps Eastern European kind of pop death metal band? Lordi. Lord, was that Lordi? Yeah, I don't know how it's pronounced, but I know it's L-O-R-D-I. Yeah, they're like guar, they out guar guar. It, it is truly one of the most amazing things that I have ever seen in my life. Uh, but it is like it is like what if Guar was in the style of Guar singing an ABBA song, <laughs> right? Like, isn't that? What's, yeah, yeah, that it's pretty amazing. great. Oh, it is amazing. Well, it sounds like uh, it sounds like the United States' main argument in favor of rap rock is that it allows us to identify assholes. Yeah. Uh, the UK's main defense of the Eurovision Song Contest is a sort of weird egalitarianism, a defense of small <laughs> countries. Um, that thing that the UK has always been known for. Um, th- take Grenada, for example. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. This is, this is a tough decision, but I'm going to have to... Let's not get into mudslinging about foreign policy so near the end. <laughs> Come on now. We've behaved so well. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to give the victory this week to... You know what? I'm going to give it to the... My initial instinct was to give it to the U.S., who made the mo- more sincere and coherent argument. However... Uh. Uh, however, I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it to the UK, who, who with a straight face claimed sympathy for Latvia and the Latvians. So UK, congratulations! With a total of one thousand and some points, you are the champion. So for this, well, thank you, thank, thank you, you so Prince much. Of thank you, Prince of <laughs> For this week, at least, the United Kingdom is the best country in the whole wide world. Um, at least the best country in the whole wide world that competes on this stupid quiz show podcast. <laughs> Perhaps they can sell. We got we got time on our hands. We had to let a lot of the colonies go, so that's freed up some admin time. <laughs> Perhaps they can celebrate by letting us know that their version of a particular sitcom was better than the United States' <laughs> version of a particular sitcom. A sentiment in which they oh. would always be accurate. Yes. <laughs> Are you talking about The Office? <laughs> Let's not get into sitcom mudslinging so late in the program. Is Izzy thinks the American version is better. I think they're oh. different things, but the American version is my favorite thing in the whole world, so that's put a spanner in your works, Prince of Thieves. 
So the cool thing over there must be to claim that the American one's better because the cool thing over here is to claim that the British one's better. So we should have a cross-cultural oh, cool exchange. Yeah, we should. We're both, we're, both parties are just being incredibly polite. Oh, no, you first. You first. <laughs> <laughs> it's the equivalent. No, no, yours is better. I think they're just very different shows. This is to be discussed at another time. But they're just different shows and they can we'll coexist. A, we can have a special. We'll come back and do a special. <laughs> yes. Can we have a Christmas special? <laughs> Well, uh, the UK has won this time. Uh, thank you to all of our competitors for representing their nations so ably. Thank you to you for listening. And remember, it is Max Fun Drive time. So if you want to hear future episodes of this very program, I hope that you will take this opportunity to visit MaximumFun.org slash donate to give and help pay the salaries and studio costs, which are not insignificant involved in making this program. So thank you very much for listening. Tell a friend, like us on Facebook, and go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Think you've got what it takes to write a round of international waters? Pitch us your round. Email it to IW at MaximumFun.org. Give us the theme and some sample questions, and maybe it'll pop up on the next episode. Or... Donate to our pledge drive and we'll write it for you. You've been listening to International Waters with me, your host, Jesse Thorne. Playing were Elizabeth Lame, D.C. Pearson, Dan Antipolsky, and Izzy Sudi, With special guest, Susan Orlean. Our theme tune is USA vs. White Noise by Ladytron. Thanks to them for letting us use it. By their records. The script was written by Jordan Morris and our show was engineered in my house in Los Angeles by me and in the UK by Chris Morris at Guilt Free Post. Our producer in London is Colin Anderson.